Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 268 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the godfather, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill Lack? Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well, actually, and I am probably more excited over the uh, current state of the Cincinnati Reds than maybe anyone, maybe more excited than I have any right to be. Uh, Do you share my excitement over the current state of the Reds? Yeah, I do. I mean, I have concerns about this team. I have two concerns. One is whether they're going to burn out this year, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And the other is, you know, where we're going to be next year if they don't resign some of the guys that they traded for this year, you know, and, and these are things that we've talked about all along. Yeah, but I'm, here's the, here's the way I'm looking at it. You know, the Reds had this stretch here against the Cubs, the Dodgers, and the Brewers, three uh, teams that have finished in first place, first place last year, and the Reds go four and four in, uh, in those eight games, and uh, as we record this, and, you know, they could have been six and two. They weren't because they blew a couple games. But four and four against three good teams, you know, that's that's pretty that's pretty good, frankly. And 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 they're just you know, since that awful start, they're actually above five hundred since that awful start. But what I see here is a, a team that we thought was roughly a five hundred team coming into the season, and you know that's that's really kind of what they are, and uh, and so I'm excited about that because that's a lot better than what we've seen in past years. Does it does it make sense the way I'm describing that? Yeah, and I agree with you. The only thing I would, I, the only point I would make is is six of those games, the eight you were talking about, were at home, and they've got to play better than 500 ball at home. Do no they? Who no, no, do no they? Who I guess the top teams. Yeah, they still got, they still got. You got to beat the top teams to get anywhere. Okay, but if they're if they're 500 against the top teams at home. And they're above 500 against the rest of the teams, which they are. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they're they're above 500 at home, 12 and 11 on the season. Um, I, I think if you can just split with the top teams, I don't care where you are, you're in good shape. I, see, I think I think if you try to play five, if you can play something close to 500 on the road, but you got to be higher. Okay, I guess the difference is: is this a good team or, or just a t- you know just a team that we're? If they're a good team, they got to play better than that at home. That's that's all I'm saying. Okay, well, no one, you know, no one expected a good team. First of all, well, I think we, well, I wouldn't say that's true. I think you know, when, when we're talking eighty-five to ninety wins, and, and that's what most of us were predicting. That's a, in this day and age, that's a pretty good team. It's not a great team. Great teams win ninety-five or hundred games. I guess I was at eighty-two wins was my prediction. Uh, yeah, I was. I think I forget what I said, but I think I was, you know, right around ninety. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and okay, I still, it's, and I still think this team's going to win win over eighty two, more than eighty two. I, I believe I believe that today more than I did the beginning of the season. In fact, a friend of mine on Facebook, I, I offered to bet him a twelve pack because he said they'd lose ninety games this year. I said, well, I'll, I'll bet you a twelve pack on that one, and he didn't want any part of the bet. So I guess he wasn't real sure of his prediction. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I mean I think there's every reason to believe that because this is everyone's upset because they're still what five games under 500 uh, 22 and 27 as we record here but uh this has been number one a lot more fun uh, to watch this team i mean they're really just an entertaining team but they're a competitive team against everybody they're you know they're a team that is maybe a 500 a slightly above 500 team 
and that's who they are the rest of the way, and we've still got 100-plus games to go. So, I, you know, yeah, I, I, there's no way. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll say this, and then uh, they'll, you know, they'll do something red-like. But there well, is the, the no way they're going to lose 90. The starting pitching, they could lose 90 games. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. I, I, You wouldn't think so. Well, let's talk about this. The, the other thing I, I, I want to say, uh, to, to contrast my point I said earlier, I, I made earlier, though, is, and I'm not looking at numbers here right now, but I would be willing to bet that the Reds have played fewer home games than almost anybody in Major League Baseball up to this point. And if they're playing, and if they're going to play better at home, that's going to help. You know, that that's going to really help their record as we move along. Yeah, they've played uh, 23 games at home and 26 on the road. So, um, and they've allowed 88 runs at home and on the road, even though there's three more games on the road. That's interesting. Uh, but scored 17 more at home. Yeah, they're, they're well. That, that's not surprising though with the ballpark. So the so, the other weird thing with the scheduling is how much worse they are. At least how worse worse the pitching has been in day games versus night games. I saw that on Twitter today. It was and I didn't write the numbers down, but it was something really weird. I mean, yeah, I I don't know what to make of that because you know again we're just talking about what uh, 50, 50 or forty nine games so far. Not yeah, even, we're thirty percent into the season, even as we as we speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know it is what it is at this point. They are a pretty good team. I know they're five games under five hundred. Everybody's like, uh, whatever. And uh, but they're 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 a pretty good team, and they are uh, competing against good teams, and they are uh, entertaining. They're fun to watch. I mean, they just are. It's just a it's just a lot more fun to watch. And I know they're five games under, and and uh, you know the complaints I love are that oh they're in last place again, and um, who cares if they you know can get back to five hundred? What's well, a big deal? You know you can't compete in this division with five at five hundred. To which I respond, if they can get in. 500 or slightly above 500 after the last four years of losing 95 games. That's a pretty big, I mean, you know, no, no one really expected them to go from 95 losses to 95 wins in one season. So that's a pretty big step forward. And then we start talking about the things to do to improve the team next year. But uh, that, that's my point, which is if they're only just an 82 win team, and I still believe they are what, what we saw them at the, you know, what I thought they were coming into the season. I still think they're right there. 82 wins, maybe more, but if that's all they are, I'll take that. That's really, you know, it's. Will you be satisfied with a 500 team? Yes. Well, let me let me put it this way. I will be satisfied because I think I don't think the Reds ever intended to do much better than that because they didn't. They've they've not had their. You know, it took them a long time to get their best team on the field. Well, and and we and, and we can talk about this a little later, but we I could argue that they still don't have their best roster. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And, we're, and I, let's get into that when we get into the bullpen in a moment, because that's one place where it's obvious they don't have their best yeah. roster. Uh, I, I want to talk about the starting pitch, and you mentioned that, and I, I do want to address that first, because that's actually the single biggest reason why I'm so excited about this uh, Cincinnati Reds team. This pitching staff, you know, I mean, uh, I went back and looked at the last three years. Dude, why? Oh, I know. It was awful. The last three years. Did you have like Maalox or Pepto or something while you did that? <laughs> I did, yes. Okay. Uh, I uh, The, the three-year stretch before the season, 2016, 2017, 2018, the Reds had the worst pitching staff in the leagues by a huge margin, no matter what uh, metric you want to use to judge it. Uh, last year, they were 14th out of 15th in the National League 
and that's the best they've been in the last three years. They were dead last the two years before. 2016, they were legitimately, there's an argument they were the worst pitching staff in the history of baseball. Well, they set records two years in a row for most home runs per nine innings. Yeah, they you given up. Right. And now, and that, and they now they're leading the league in that category. And now they're leading the league in many categories. Uh, yes. There's a really good argument that they're the best, uh, certainly the best pitching staff in the National League, and uh, maybe even in the majors. Although I think Tampa Bay probably has a pretty good argument, um, or Tampa. They may not be Tampa Bay anymore. Did they change it? Are they still Tampa Bay? I don't know. They, they're going to be something else here before too long. So maybe, but they're uh, they got a great pitching staff as well. So in one year, the Reds have uh, turned that around. And here's my contention as I look at it, and this goes back to what you you mentioned before. I want to know what you think. I think what we're seeing is by and large sustainable. I don't think there's anything that's happening that is completely abnormal. Well, I think the exciting thing is. That, that Castillo, Molly, and Gray, and even Disclafani, I don't know, I don't know how long he's tied to the team, but those other three guys are tied to this team for at least five years, I believe. Uh, Gray's got three more years after this one. Three, okay, I'll take three. Yeah, and Disclafani uh, is is available next year. Okay, and 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 I would say right now he's the most expendable of the of the three. Yeah, although he's been roughly league average so far. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, and then who knows what they'll do if Alex Wood ever gets healthy enough to pitch. Who? Uh, you know, but even, you know, even uh, Rourke, who, who they, you know, has been what they expect him to be. He's been, you know, he gets out there, gives you a few solid innings and keeps you in a ball game. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not unhappy with a guy with an ERA plus of 127. That's my point, is that everything that you're seeing here, I mean, maybe Castillo, and he got rocked a little bit yesterday and bumped his numbers back up. Maybe he was... A little be- bit? Well, yeah. Um, but uh, he, uh, you know, he's he's. I don't think he's doing anything that's, you know, outside of the realm of what we can expect from him going forward. I mean, he's a, he's, an, he's on the verge of being an ace, and, and it's not something that's just out of nowhere. A lot of people have expected that. So that that's the what gets me so excited, is it? What they're doing, I, you know, we talk about them dropping off a cliff, but I don't, you know, I don't, it could happen. We could have injuries and, you know, you never know, but um, it's, it, to me, it's sustainable the rest of the year. And then it comes to what you said that gets me really excited, which is Castillo, Gray, and Molly. That's a pretty good one, two, three punch that the Reds have for the foreseeable future. And that yep. is exciting. And and then you got, you know, the, the, the kids in Louisville and, and, and I forget how you pronounce the kid's name, Santanian. Santion. Santion. Tony Santion. You know. Antonio Santion. Who, who, you know, I don't know. Well, I think he'll be ready next year. I don't know what Doug thinks or God knows what the Reds think. Um, but, you know, filling him in at a four or a five, you know, to give him some experience, you know. I mean, you don't put any weight on him the first year when you got these three guys in front of him. And and Di Scafani if he's healthy. I and Di Scafani if he's healthy. And and uh, 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 guy, the name just ran right out of my head. Uh, the kid at Louisville, uh, Lucas uh, Sims, Romano, Romano Sims, Sal Romano, Lucas Sims. Yeah. To me, if the Reds go out this off season, they're going to have a lot of flexibility in terms of money. Uh, some of the guys coming off the uh, the the payroll. If they go out and get one solid starter to add into that group, there's Why no- don't you just record this? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> uh, uh, but but think about it. 
throw throw one, you know, two or three number two, number three starter in the mix in there. And there's that that's gonna be a great rotation. That's why I'm I'm so excited about what we're seeing. We're finally seeing something come to fruition and and there, here's a very clear point where the Reds have turned the corner. Well, I mean, and you're talking about the offseason going out and finding a starter. Their only needs in the offseason may be a starter and an outfield. And that's assuming they don't keep Puig or anything like that. Or a second baseman. Uh, yeah. Well, and it depends on what they decide to do with Senzel. I mean, they're going to have to improve somewhere. If we think this is a 500 or roughly above 500 yeah. team, you want to be better than that. So they're going to have to go out and improve somewhere. Well, I think it's a 500 team when the offense is struggling. But, so, you know, this team is not going to have this many guys hitting 200. I mean, it's, there's just too much freaking talent on this team for them to have this many guys hitting 200, 208, 204, 221, 123, you know, 206. There's just too much freaking talent. We keep saying that. I know. <laughs> and we're 50 games in, almost. Yep. I, 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 I agree with you. season gone. I, I, I know – but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. So I mean, they got they got one guy and they're and they're and they're what you know. We'll get into this too. They're they're everyday lineup that's hitting above average. Okay, so, so stick a pin in that. We'll move that in a second because I want to get back to the pitching because I want to talk about that bullpen since we since we've sort of uh, teased it a little bit. Okay, the bullpen I have similar. Uh, you know, it's it's the bullpen is no at, at worst you know second or third best in the league bullpen right now and. You know, David Hernandez and Jared Hughes are not going to be around next year. Uh, Zach Duke is also, thankfully, not under contract as well. So, and Hernandez and, and Hughes have been good, but, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be around next year as well. So you would expect it to be a, uh, a pretty good rotation again, or bullpen again, right? Yeah. Um, are you any closer to believing that the Reds are going to cut the cord on Zach Duke? No. No, they have placed him on the uh, injured list with an inflamed ERA. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that. <laughs> and and uh, I can't figure out for the life of me. I'll let you go ahead and say because you, you started to mention it earlier. That's where the Reds are not – they don't have the best <laughs> the best bullpen possible, right? I, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Reed has been up here twice, and he's done a pretty effective job both times he's been up. And, and I was looking at the uh, – at Louisville's roster, and there's a, another left-hander named Ian Kroll down there that's doing a pretty decent job. And, and I'm not saying I wouldn't bring them both up for for Duke and for Peralta. I got to tell you, to me, yeah, maybe, but there's no justification whatsoever. And I didn't, you know, if they were going to keep three lefties in the opening day bullpen anyway, I didn't think there was much justification for not having Cody Reed be one of those, other than he just had options. But if you're talking about the best available. Wandy Peralta has returned to being Wandy Peralta as he has always been. Uh, you know, he's had two uh, out of the three years he's been here. He's had two good months: April of his first year here, and then April of this year, so 2017 and 2019. Otherwise, he has been mediocre or worse the entire time he's been a Red. Um, and that's just he is. It is what it is. Cody Reed was good last year. He's good this year. He's young. He's got a live arm. I see no reason not to have him full time. In the bullpen. Well, and the other thing, I would even say this. If you're looking for, for bringing up guys in Louisville that are getting the job done, Anthony Bass ought to be up here. Now, he's not a left-hander, but he, you know, he's doing everything you could ask him to do down in Louisville. Well, uh, that might be difficult. 
for the Reds to call him up. Is he not on the 40? <laughs> and not only is he not on the 40, but he just triggered an opt-out clause in his contract. He's getting ready to sign with the Mariners. Really? I did not hear that. I knew that the other guy had, uh, the, the, I think he was an outfielder, or, or the other starting pitcher, I think. Yeah, uh, Anthony Bass, uh, right-hander, uh, had a, an opt-out clause that if he didn't get called up uh, by a certain date that uh, he, wow. could, he could uh, opt out of his contract. So, and, and the Reds have had him in, in the minor leagues because they no, – I, I had not read – when did you read that? When did that come out? Today? That was uh, – no, it was yesterday the day before. Wow, I completely missed that. And Sorry about that. He's supposedly going to be signed with the Mariners. So, again, that's an effective reliever that we've chosen to uh, part ways with uh, in the interest of keeping Zach. Of course, now he's a righty, but still, you're right. He was, a, right. He was uh, very effective. I'm uh, looking at Peralta's – game log and now he's been terrible the last two games but before that he had you know six or seven games where he was pretty effective true take back to may the third true um but but i agree with you i mean there's no way in the world that you keep him over over cody reed I, especially when he's got options that's the that's to me that's the issue i mean if he didn't have options you i think it would be easier to make the argument I, I'm not saying I'd agree with it, but it would be easier to make the argument. Uh, but we are sort of arguing on the margins of the roster here, and that's a good thing. I mean, you know, but I don't agree with that. Not the way that the David Bell uses this bullpen. There are no margins in this bullpen. Uh, well, you're talking about the last guy out of the bullpen, and, and, he, and he's and he's thrown in 21 games, right? But 16 innings. If you you know if, if you if you you know extrapolate that out, that's seventy games this year, right? But sixteen innings and Zach Duke's fifteen innings, the, the two fewest in the Reds bullpen, right? But it's still a lot. They're they're bringing them in almost every night. And, know, every other. To me, that though, that's why Peralta's numbers look kind of superficially good. Is that David Bell's done a pretty good job of just uh, focusing him against left-handed hitters, and uh, which he can be reasonably effective against. Uh, and that's why the, the innings pitch is lower. You know, but, but, I, I don't, like I said, again, we're just, I think we're arguing semantics, but I, I don't think there are any margins of this bullpen the way that he uses it. He uses and, all and of one, them. Of, one of the points I made to you, and, and, and I want to, and I don't know whether you guys have talked about this or not, is I think this has been the Reds plan all along was to, was to, to use the bullpen in the way that David Bell, and I think he told the front office, this is what he was going to do. And that's why and they, they, the bullpen is as large as it is. And we all wondered, coming out of spring training, God, why do we need this many guys in a bullpen, blah, blah, blah. This is why. I think that's uh, almost a uh, a guarantee. I was surprised. Yeah, none of us really saw that coming. No, because we, how, do, how would we know, I guess, uh, what David Bell would do? But I was like, I was amazed. But it's clearly a that he brought so many relievers east with him out of uh, spring training. Uh, but you're right. Here's why. He wants to use all of them every day. And uh, well, He wants to use every, all, everybody every day. Well, with the pitchers, though, how can you argue with it? My, well, and, I, and I'll make the same argument that I did the last time when we talked about the last time I was on. I don't think the bullpen is sustainable. And I'm not talking about innings pitch, and I'm talking about games because it's warm-ups. You're still expending the same amount of energy. Well, not the same amount of energy, but you're still expending energy. I don't think you can sustain this where they're looking at, you know, what, four or five guys throwing in over 78, you know, between 70 and 80 games this year. I don't think that's sustainable in the bullpen. And I think in the back end of the – and I hope I'm wrong. 
and I and I think in the back end of the the season, it's gonna st- you're gonna start seeing guys getting blown up. I I, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, Maybe, but is there any evidence that that's actually the case? That that will happen? Yeah, I mean, what's the? How do we know what the threshold is for how many uh, games someone gets in? I mean, it's it's uh, it's individualized. I would think first of all by pitcher. Mike Marshall was different than you know uh, whoever whoever you know your Trevor Hoffman right. or whoever. Um, right, I, I'm not saying I don't disagree with you, but I, I just don't know, especially these older guys that aren't used to throwing in this many games. You're you're asking their arms to do things that they they have never done before. Now maybe they'll be fine. I hope you're right, but I, it, it it's a definite concern to me. I'm not saying I'm not arguing the other side of that. I'm just saying I don't know. I think it's well, what what do we know about what's going to happen with the Reds rest of this year? We don't know anything. I don't know if there's any evidence that uh, the way they're being used is going to cause them to wear down more. I don't, I don't know that that's the case. And and I, number one, I think that certainly that, that's on David Bell's radar and Derek Johnson's radar. Uh, one so would hope. Well, third more than that, then that's malpractice. But So I'm not worried about it. In, but I do think you're right that it's something to keep an eye on. That, uh, you know, how are, are they going to respond? If all of them remain healthy, I mean, some of them are going to break down. They're not going to remain healthy if that's uh, the case. Or that, I wouldn't say I wouldn't necessarily say it'll be. It, it might not be a health thing. It could be an effectiveness thing. Both. It could be either right. either or both. Right. right. Yeah. Somebody right. might make it to the end of the season and not get hurt, but be less effective down the stretch. It's absolutely going to be something to watch. I don't know enough about it to know that it's an actual thing. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, you know the way that teams like the Dodgers, who uh, over the last few years who have kept big bullpens the way they've managed it is they've just had a uh you know in and out in and out from triple a back and forth uh sort of a use your entire 40 man right in the but the reds have not shown any sign of, of being willing to do that they've not yet and it surprised me because i thought i mean cody reed's come up for uh, i guess three times he's come up um maybe one time he didn't pitch so i think he's been up three different times this year and, and gone back to louisville I wonder, if they, I wonder if he's got like a frequent flyer pass on on <laughs> Greyhound or something. <laughs> I don't, do, you, do do you fly on Greyhound? You, and you and, and do you think he's taking a bus from Louisville to Cincinnati? No, I really don't. I, was, I, was really, <laughs> I know, I know. I was uh, being facetious or sarcastic or ironic or whatever the right word is. I would have thought as though, uh, to your point of how much they're being used, I would have thought we'd see guys like, you know, uh, Sal Romano. But then again, you're talking about who are the guys you're going to send out. I mean, David Hernandez, Jared Hughes, they don't have options. Robert Stevens right. doesn't have right. options. So, you know, um, yeah, that, that's good. That's a good point. That's probably uh, why they're not doing that. Yeah. And, uh, and just to let you know, as someone that has flown in and out of, in, in the, from Cincinnati to Louisville, it takes longer to, to, to go to the airport, get on the plane, go down there and get off. I would to drive. I bet. I bet. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that the Reds pitching is, it's better than I expected, but I don't think it's better in a way that, is so surprising that it's not sustainable. And I think that bodes well going into next year. And it, it doesn't eliminate an area of need. I think you're still going to have to acquire some pitching, certainly in the bullpen, but it uh, it minimizes a need, I guess, is the way I would put it. And that's, that's as we start talking about what we're going to do going into next year, that to me is is a pretty exciting thing that, hey, maybe there's an area where they can, you know, focus some of their attention elsewhere. Right. And, and you know, the other thing that I, this just, this just occurred to me, We've had two guys opt out of their contracts at Louisville because they didn't think they'd get to the big leagues. When was the last time that happened in the Reds organization? Too many good players. 
Yeah. When's the last time? <laughs> right? No, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. So um, you want to just briefly talk about this offense because we're kind of banging the same drum we have. It's the same thing. Uh, Eugenio Suarez is hitting. Jose Iglesias has been uh, way better than we thought, and everyone else. He's, Jose Iglesias is is the MVP of this team at my at this point right now, in my opinion. Uh, no, 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 you're crazy. It's Zach Duke. <laughs> Come on, he's one. He's he's one of the Duke boys. You say that kind of stuff. Aren't you afraid lightning's going to hit you? <laughs> he's he's one of the Duke boys, man. Never yeah. never meaning no harm. Does he pull up in a in a in an orange car? <laughs> I hope so. He's missing a good opportunity if he doesn't. Uh, no, about Iglesias, you know, um, roughly league average hitter, but one of the best gloves that I've seen in Cincinnati. I mean, really, he's up there with the very best shortstops I've seen defensively. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he never seems to miss play a ball. And, uh, and we've seen some good shortstops here in Cincinnati. Yep. Uh, and so he's just... You know, a couple, one Hall of Famer in in our, in my in our lifetime, one Hall of Famer, one borderline, I would say, Hall of Famer. Um, you know, and plus, you know, Pokey Reese was a heck of a defensive shortstop before they moved him to second base. Paul Yanish, Zach Kozar, they and they were good. Yep. So, uh, Felipe yeah. Lopez, uh, no, 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 not so much. D'Angelo, him, no. Um, so yeah, I agree with you about Iglesias and. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what his market is because they Red picked him up on a minor league deal, which is just yep. ridiculous. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of market he has and whether the Reds want to make him more of a centerpiece going forward. He's a shortstop that's going to be 30 years old next year, and we, we've spent years arguing against 30-year-old middle infielders. If you were going to, if you were going to make him an offer this afternoon, what would you make him? Uh, he's making, what, $2 million this year, two point five, something like that? Something like that. Uh, you know, I'd offer him... Four for the next two years, three years maybe. I think. Yeah. I think just defensively, he's so good that he'll be I'd go, worth it. I'd go twelve million for three years. Yeah. Today, and yeah. I'd say you know the offer's good till you walk out the door. Yeah, I, and I think he takes it after having just signed a minor league deal. I mean, I think he takes it. But now again, we're we're sort of buying him at the point he's probably not going to hit like this. No, all year. Um, because he never has. He's never been as yeah. You know, I looked at his numbers. He's never been as bad a hitter as I thought he was. But he's never been a good hitter. Um, and and part of the issue is we're also talking about Jose Peraza is as bad now as he's ever been. And so uh, yeah, that, he, he's really played himself out of a, out of playing time. He's just twenty five. But how, yeah, I mean, I you're right. But it's not like he's the only one, I guess. Jesse Winker's nope. coming around some. Yep. And that's about it. Puig has still been awful. Um yep. Barnhart. Votto has been pretty awful. Votto has been... Uh, uh, Votto. Jason and I talked about Votto last week, and I don't know that you and I have discussed him much, and I don't want to spend too much time about it, but uh, watching Joey Votto this year, it's the first time ever that I, I've just kind of been sad. It's painful to watch. And maybe he, he looks to me, he looks completely befuddled at the plate. It can't, that can't be the case. He's the smartest guy around. I mean, it, well, it, it, it almost, and I know this isn't the case, but I'm going to say it anyway. It, it takes me back to Bull Durham. Don't thank me. You're hurting a ball club. It's almost <laughs> like he's thinking too much up there. He, well, looks, that, he looks tight as a bowstring to me. Even when he takes his warm up swings, he, he doesn't look like he's loose. 
he looks like he's so tight. And and like I said, the, I'd be the last person in the world to try to say that I could help Joey Votto with his hitting. But man, somebody needs to. I mean, he just doesn't look like Joey Votto. He's always been able to figure this out before, and we've seen him have stretches even this late in the season like this. Yep. The differences are, number one, he's never been 35 years old this late in the season before. Um, and the second thing is that maybe I'm just misremembering. Maybe this is just because it's something that's going on right now. But I don't ever remember him just getting embarrassed at the plate. As I don't know have. taking this many pitches right down the pipe. Taking bad uh, pitches, yeah, right down the right down the uh, gut of the plate, and and just taking bad swings. I mean, just like like swings, like he's not seeing the ball well or something, you know, just swinging late or half swings. And again, do you remember? Do, and and I may again, I may be doing the same. I don't remember Joey choking up the, all the time in the past. I think he has most of the time the last two years. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's been a couple of years. Even, even in the past years, you know, that are well documented when he struggled some, he, at least again, this is eye test and my, and my memory. I don't remember him ever looking this bad. Right. And it's all just memory. I, I don't, right. I'm, the, I'm the exact same way. I don't remember him looking like this, but the flip side is he has had stretches where he's hit poorly and he's Joey Votto and I will never bet against him. I don't remember this many F-bombs coming out of his mouth after after it bats. I don't remember this many F-bombs coming out of my mouth after one of his bats. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Not you. <laughs> Not me, no. I'm, I'm uh, clean as the driven snow. Uh, I, I don't drive snow. It... Come on, man. Oh, sorry. You're for, you live in Ohio. You, know this. you should know this. <laughs> So, Votto, it is what it is. I, I still believe he's going to come back and have at least as good a year as, as next year. But I will say that I am, for the first time in his entire career, for the first time, I'm I'm concerned. I'm not betting against him, yep. but I'm I'm concerned. Right. I, I am, too. Um, my – with the lineup, my only and – I, and, I, and I said this to you when we were kind of talking about what we were going to talk about. My only – Here's another one of my problems with David Bell is it almost seems like he thinks everybody needs to start at least one game a week. It's it's almost like the old Little League rule. Everybody has to play. How are they going to get their participation trophy if they don't play? Exactly. I mean, you, you know, that's what we're working on here. I, you know, I and, and I think Farmer's playing too much. Do you? He's got 61 at bats. Yeah. And, and I think that's too many. Hmm. I don't know. It looks to me like the the regular guys are playing an awful lot. As a, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know that I'm seeing that. I, I'm just. I th- I think what we're seeing is that he is using a lot of guys every day. He's using the entire roster every day. And a lot. The, the, the other thing, and this, and and I'm gonna give one. You know, this this scheduled day off thing. And we may have talked about this when I was like, he seems to be pretty inflexible on the day off thing. And and if a guy has a good ball game and he's scheduled to be off the next day, I don't give him the next day off. He plays the next day. And he did that with Puig a couple weeks ago, you know, a week or so ago. Puig had a good game, and then the next day he's sitting. I, I don't think – I think I would be playing Winker more. Uh, I don't think a, a 25-year-old guy is going to get any better playing, one, you know, four days a week or whatever he's playing. 
I don't know. I, I, I'd almost uh, let Phil Irvin bat against the uh, left-handers instead of Winker at this point. I think Irvin mashes left-handers. Let me let me ask you this. Don't look at the numbers. Don't look at your screen in front of you. Okay. Out of all the Reds, this is this is a perfect example of <laughs> this. This offense has been awful. Of all the Reds who have at least fifty plate appearances this year. Okay. Tell me who the top three are in OPS plus, adjusted OPS. Who are the top three? Well, I would get, uh, and I know Suarez is, is number one because I saw. I remember seeing that. Suarez is number two. He's two. Yes. Uh, Dietrich. Derek Dietrich, number one, one sixty OPS plus. And uh, Iglesias. Close. Iglesias is fourth. No, yeah. the correct answer is to today's scoreboard stumper, Kyle Farmer. The guy you were just yeah. slamming a moment ago. He's an average. I see that. <laughs> You're right. I mean, Kyle Farmer's Kyle Farmer, but uh, he's one of these guys you can put in different places and, and play. But, you know, how many starts does he have? Uh, yeah, he's, I don't know. Uh, I mean, and he's got some pop. I mean, he's hit five home runs. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, he's, he doesn't, you're going to expose him he's if you're playing too much. Guy to me and, and I think he's playing too much. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I, I, I don't. If, if I've got my choice of playing him or Peraza, I'm playing Peraza because I think Peraza is going to get better. Yes. Now, I'll agree with that. If those are your choices, and I think really they kind of are because Peraza's not starting a lot here lately. Right. Um, and and I like, I've always liked Peraza in the super sub type role. And I, I will say this again. Derek Dietrich is my new favorite Red. He's a beast. I love that guy. I am. He is, he is so – well, the other thing is I want to go out and drink a couple beers with him because he would be fun to have beers with. I would almost bet you a billion dollars. <laughs> I don't think I want to go out having beers with him because I'm not sure I can hang. Well, you're a, you're a lightweight. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Derek Dietrich does not seem like – no, he just seems like a lot of fun. I mean, he just seems like a ton of fun. He's. I think he's one of the guys that understands how lucky he is to be where he is. Oh, did you see the, there was a travel baseball team or a youth baseball team or something that they all wore like gold chains one game in honor of Derek Dietrich? <laughs> and and he sent them like a video message, you know, telling how she loved them and, you know, all that. I mean, it just, you know, something it, it took him two minutes to do, but made a real impact on people's lives because he really kind of understands. You're right. He gets it. He's lucky but to I'm be gonna, here. I'm going I'm to play my old man card here. I don't understand how guys can play with all the jewelry on. Around oh, here we go. No, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it or anything like that. I'm just saying. I couldn't do it. Get off my lawn, Derek Dietrich. No, no, no. I would never say that. <laughs> Derek Dietrich is welcome on my lawn any day. Yes. I agree. I agree. He's been he's been just a, a, just a glorious addition to the club. And he is uh, under team control for next year. He's going to be another one as the season winds down to see what the Reds decide to do with Derek Dietrich. Yeah. Well, he's, he's here for next year. They have team control for next year. If they decide they want to pay whatever he's going to cost them in arbitration. Yeah, I, I would almost say he's worth it, even if it's would, just as a super sub. I agree. Uh, let's go into some Red Leg Nation radio madness, then we're going to answer some uh, viewer mail questions. Wait a minute, I, want, I want to do one more thing before we before we oh switch over. Gosh, all right. I don't know on why Twitter and, and some of the blogs, there are more and more people by the day, it seems, calling for David Bell's firing. Ridiculous. Folks. That's insane. Even if you have problems with some of the things he does, and, and as I've said, I do have some problems. 
the direction that this team is going is to the future. They're starting to do things right. And 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 I don't know, I don't know whether David Bell is the long-term answer at manager or not. But if you convince and let's let me throw it this way. If you convince ownership to fire the manager right now, ownership is going to believe that the direction they're heading in was the wrong direction and they're going to go about ship. We're going to go back to the days of Walt Jockety and, and, and Riggleman and all those old dudes that are not as old as me. I'm glad you brought it up because it's something we haven't really talked about here because it's so ridiculous, but no, uh, it's something I'm we need. Here, I'm here for the ridiculous thing. <laughs> it's something we need to mention because it's crazy. You know, listen, Derek Bell, I do not like watching him manage. I think he, David Bell. David Bell. What did I call him? Derek. Derek Bell. I don't like watching him manage uh, either. Either. <laughs> uh, that's what I call Derek Johnson and, and David Bell together. Oh, that, it, it, it's like, like uh, you know. Uh, when, I sh- when I ship them, as the kids say, they're Derek Bell. Anyway, okay. um, yeah, I, I don't like, I hate the pitching changes. It's just, I've said it before, it's aesthetically, it's just ugly. But listen, it's working, and it's the way the game is going. And if you don't like the way the game's going, okay, but understand that the Reds are finally joining the the smarter teams around the league in doing things a different way. And uh, if you want to go back to the old ways, fine, but the world's passed us by. And so, um, but but either way, you know, it's been forty nine games. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, to me, it's, to me, it's kind of like these people that say, "Well, they ought to outlaw the shifts." Right, right. Players should adjust to beat the shift, and then they'll quit shifting. When you played wiffle ball, so a left-handed hitter come up would come up, and you're playing, you know, second base. You move a little bit, yeah. You shift over a little bit because you know that's all the shift is is putting defensive players where person's most likely to hit it. I don't like it. I hate the way it looks. Doesn't bother. See that one doesn't bother me. Get off my lawn, there, Chad. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, but an old man. I'm, I'm not saying we should outlaw it, though. I think it's ridiculous. Um, let's talk. Uh, we'll get back to some more discussions. We do have a bunch of uh, viewer mail questions in a moment. I do want to talk about Red Leg Nation Radio Madness that Jason and uh, Lyndon and I inadvertently uh, <laughs> just uh, we didn't get time to get into it last week and just didn't discuss it at all. So, did you guys get a little uh, diarrhea of the mouth there last week? No, that only happens when you're on. Oh, but there's no doubt about that. <laughs> but I, but I don't think it's a either or. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you're, we've proven that. Uh, the final four matchups last week. Wait a minute. Were, wait, wait a minute. What is the the one continuing uh, factor in that equation? It's not me, man. Jason is on some weeks. I'm on some weeks. Doug's on some time. What's the constant? Don't you, mm. don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. It's not me. Um, I think maybe it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe I do have some culpability. <laughs> the final four in Red Leg Nation Radio Madness, uh, which is our competition to determine the most valuable player in Red's history. We started out with 68 players, and we're down now to four. Remember, this is only an exhibition. This is not a competition, so please, no wagering. Johnny Bench, Frank Robinson, Joe Morgan, and Barry Larkin are our final four. And you and I discussed those four the last time you were on the podcast, Bill. The first first matchup was Johnny Bench versus Frank Robinson. Who did you vote for? I voted for Bench, uh, but you can't go wrong. Um, Like you said, both of them are inner circle Hall of Famers. Bench is considered the best ever at his position. Uh, 
you know, Frank Robinson, first man to win the MVP in both leagues. Robinson would have been, I think you said this the last time, Robinson would have been a Hall of Famer if you just took his red stats or his Orioles stats. Yeah. I mean. I voted for Robinson here, and it really hurt me. I felt like I was betraying Johnny Bench. (laughs) Um, But Johnny Bench, you know, didn't have to sit on the bench that day that I went to my first big league game. He could have played. Well, if he'd have known you were there, he would have. Probably, yeah. I went with Frank Robinson just because I think at his best and at Johnny Bench's best, Frank Robinson was the better player. And to me, you know, that that's inherently more valuable. Uh, although that's difficult to really – because you, when you throw defense in there, Robinson yeah, was – I was going to say, Bench, being the catcher, I mean, to me, that's yeah, the X factor. I agree. I mean, it's something to it's, – it's what makes it an interesting uh, matchup. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't that interesting to most of our voters as 86% voted for Johnny Bench, who has torn through this whole bracket. He's won uh, bigger than by bigger margins than everyone every single uh, round. So Johnny Bench is on to the championship matchup, 86% of the vote. You surprised by that? I'm surprised by the margin. Yeah, I would have thought it would be closer. Joe Morgan versus Barry Larkin. This was a one seed versus a two seed. Bench and Robinson were both one seeds. Morgan was a one seed. Larkin was a two seed. Who would you vote for? Morgan. That was a tough one as well because Larkin is my favorite player of all time. I see, but I don't think Larkin should have been there. So, you know, that's just, you know. Oh, that's true. You were wrong about that. I forgot. No, I, now, Chad, how many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> you can keep saying it, but you're wrong about that too. You, I was wrong one time. I thought I was wrong. All right. Well, the uh, the viewers went with you. Well, it went with me too. I voted for, for Joe Morgan. But 65% to 35% Joe Morgan moves on to the championship matchup. So now, now. The most valuable player in Reds history, Johnny Bench versus Joe Morgan. Where you go on that one, Bill? I got to think about this one. I'm, not, I'm really not sure. Right now, without really sitting down and looking at numbers, you know, work, I almost have to pick Morgan just because the, the two years they won the world championship, how he was so freaking great. Best player on the planet. The, 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 actually, his whole career with the Reds, he was on another planet. I mean, he didn't have a bad year, and I'm not looking at the numbers right now, but I know up through 76, his years with the Reds were incredible uh, from when he came over from Houston. It was like, you know, somebody – like the light bulb went off. Yeah. But, you know, Bench won two MVPs. He won a World Series. Series, you know, MVP in '76. That's a that's a tough Johnny one. Johnny Bench will all as great as Johnny Bench was. He will always be a what if story. That's pretty good you to know, be an inner circle Hall of Famer and still be a what if story. Yeah, I mean, but if they hadn't found the mass on his lung and had to crack his chest after, well, I think it was after '72. '72, yeah. After and, he won the MVP in '72. Yeah, and and even he admits he was never the same player again. Yeah, and his numbers the very next year they did rebound later in his career. But his numbers were way down uh, the following. Yeah, I mean, but they were never what they were in '70 and '72. True. At age, uh, what, ages twenty and twenty-two, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it, like you said, inner circle Hall of Famer, and he's still a what if, you know, what what if story. You know, we did the '68 uh, player bracket here, but it was probably always inevitable that it was going to come down to Bench and Morgan because you know there are nine positions on a field, and I think the Reds have really good. A really good argument at having a player for them was the best player of all time 
in all of baseball at that position. Of course, well, there's three guys. Johnny Bench at catcher, good argument to be the best catcher ever. Joe Morgan, a really good argument to be the best second baseman ever. And, of course, uh, Adam Dunn, uh, best left fielder ever. Best, best, best banana phone ever. <laughs> hey, Morty. Um, yeah, so uh, so it was, it was probably inevitable that Bench and Morgan were going to come down to And you think that you're going to go with Morgan. That would yeah that that's my knee jerk, but I think, again I, I was a I, I was a Johnny Bench fan huge Johnny Bench fan growing up and and not that I wasn't a Joe Morgan guy. Um, I've never seen a guy that could disrupt the game like Morgan could, and, yeah. and that's in my whole life. Uh, you know, watching the Reds, I started watching the Reds in '68. <laughs> I, I didn't. No, I should have. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, he, he could beat you with his defense. He could beat you with his power. He, he, and, but when he got on first base, I mean, when was the last time you saw a pitcher throw over six, seven, eight times with the same guy on first base? Yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw that. It used to happen all the time with Morgan. He, he, he'd dive back into first base, you know, in that little in that little dirt patch, you know, by first base, dust himself off. And get back out and put that one foot back on the carpet, one foot in the dirt, and make him throw over again. And he'd do it five, six, seven, eight times. I mean, it, it was, it, and you could just see the pitcher breaking down on the mound. I've never seen anybody else that could do. Maybe you know Ricky Henderson or, or Lou Brock or somebody like that. I had a dream last night that I received a notification on my phone that Ricky Henderson had died. I dreamed that I got a notification on my phone that Ricky Henderson had died. I'm not sure what that has to do with Joe Morgan, but I thought you'd be interested. Well, since Rick, you know, since Rick, I brought Ricky Henderson up, but I, I just feel like I'll probably go with Morgan, but I, I'm not stating that I'm going for Morgan. Yeah, I haven't fully decided yet either. I think I probably lean towards Morgan because I think at his height he was a more valuable player. Yep. But then again, I, I don't know. I, I think you got a good argument both ways. So I'm I'm look forward to seeing what the voters do on that. So yep. I think this one I think this one will be close. It'll certainly be the closest one. I mean, Bench hasn't had a close contest yet. He's not faced Joe Morgan yet. That's true. All right, so uh, that'll come up. We'll have voting starting on Sunday. We'll go run through uh, Wednesday, and th that voting will be done at redlegnation.com and, of course, at our uh, Twitter Twitter uh, account, at Redleg Radio. We'll tweet out links to the, to the voting. So go vote. Your votes will determine who is the most valuable player in Cincinnati Reds history, and it will be an unassailable determination here. When the voters have spoken, no one can argue. You know, you know what I'd be curious to know, and I mean, we'll never know, but what the demographic of our voters is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know I mean, that I kind know, of research. I know they're you know 95% younger than me. Well, so is the entire world. Um, yeah, so are <laughs> So... Uh, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? Sure. Uh, hashtag viewer mail. Let me uh, say that uh, the first set of these questions are going to come from Patreon. Some of our supporters at patreon.com slash redlegradio. You can go there and support the podcast if you feel like we provide you some value and you want to help support what we do. Please feel free to come over and, and join us. we got a pretty good group there and growing. Uh, added a new benefit this week where we've got a Slack channel, so we're sort of talking uh with uh, patrons at, during games, things like that, as things are going It's been a lot of fun so far. I want to give a big thank you to our latest patron, 
at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Logan Hundley. Logan, you, you think he's related to Todd Hundley or Randy Hundley? Maybe. Probably not. He's a Reds fan. Logan Hundley, buddy, really appreciate the fact that you are supporting the podcast, and uh, we, could, we couldn't do it without uh, without people like you. So thank you so much, Logan Hundley. Also, before we get into viewer mail, i got to give a, uh, a shout-out here. One of our loyal viewers of the podcast, Sydney Elizabeth Price. Sydney, happy birthday. Celebrating a birthday today. And uh, really uh, wish you the best uh, of birthdays. And thank you so much for being one of one of us, I guess. You know what? If, if, if these are viewer mail questions, you need to start wearing pants when you're doing the podcast. These are actual letters from actual viewers. Like I said, you need to quit doing the. You and Jason need to quit doing those naked podcasts. <laughs> okay, Matt Sheary asks us at patreon.com slash Radio. If you were in charge of the Reds, what kind of offer would it take for you to trade Luis Castillo? And I saw that and I thought, well, that's I, I know who I'm going to say first. And then he added, and you can't say Mike Trout. What kind of offer would it take for you to trade Luis Castillo? Mike Trout's clone. <laughs> Here's what I say. Here's what I say about that. First, two things. Number one, uh, there is no player that has ever played for the Reds that I would say is untouchable. I think anyone's available in the right trade. If you can improve your team, do it. The other thing I would say is, I'm not sure why you would look to trade Luis Castillo. So if I were in charge of the Reds, you know, I'm not looking to trade him. But what kind of offer would it take? It would have to be, we can't say Mike Trout, and I, I don't know. It's got to be a Trout-level player. It's got to be an elite player because Castillo is going to be an elite pitcher for the next, you know, how many years, and he's with the Reds, under Reds' control for years. So um, I know you said that your stipulations, you can't say Trout, but that's kind of what I'm thinking is in that neighborhood. It's got to be someone who can move the needle like that. You know, I don't know if it's a Blake Snell or a pitcher, but someone at that level, because I think Castillo is right on the verge of being that guy. What say you, Bill Lack? If he continues on the path that he's on this season, other than yesterday, uh, and we all knew he was going to have a game like this. If you didn't think he was going to have a game like this at some point in the season, you don't watch enough baseball. Um, but you don't trade an ace. And if you do, you sure want to get one back. And I don't know who you would ask for that would be at his level at 26 years old with his little – time in the big leagues and playing this well. So, you know, so much room for growth. So uh, I, I don't have an answer. I, yeah, a 26-year-old uh, ace. <laughs> That's one of the most valuable commodities in, in all of sports. Right. So I think uh, what kind of offer would it take? It begins with whichever team is, is inquiring about Luis Castillo, who is the best player for that team? That's where right. the conversation who's, begins. Who's your best player? Yeah, that's what and your, and pro, actually probably at this point right now it'd be who's your best player and who's your best prospect. Yeah, that's that's where the conversation is starting. I do think Luis Castillo is that valuable. Uh, Stephen Offenbaker. Let me let me wait, wait, wait before we before we move on. Let me ask you a question. Before the season started, would you have traded Castillo to to Cleveland for Kluber? No. Okay. Uh, I, I, would, I, I probably would have. I would not have expected uh, Casillo necessarily to be better than Kluber this year, but uh, you know Kluber's shelf life. And I wanted Corey Kluber. Uh, his shelf life was never what Luis Castillo was, and Castillo still had all that, uh, you know, uh, all that promise. So I don't think I would have. I was willing to trade Hunter Green, rest in peace, 
and I was uh, I say that willing to trade Taylor Trammell, uh, but not. Oh, and, there, and, and there's no truth to the rumor that I heard at the Dayton Dragons game the other night that the Hunter Green bobblehead has him in a sling. Oh, poor Hunter Green. We love you, Hunter. Yes, we do. Well, we're just kidding, and we hope you're doing well and coming along quickly. Absolutely, without question. We need you, need you to hurry and get back. We want to see you in Cincinnati sooner rather than later. Too sweet. Stephen Offenbaker, a uh, guy that we've known for a long time, host of the Reds Alert podcast, he asks this question. Scooter's return is looming. What happens with the roster to make room for him? And what does the playing time pecking order look like with those left after the roster moves? You want that or do you want me to attack it first? Well, I think Farmer's the one that goes. Um, you know, because I'm assuming by that point, Irvin will probably be back down and blah, 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 blah. But Farmer's always been the guy, to me, that's kind of on the cusp of, of the edge of the player's roster. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a good guy because he can play anywhere and blah, blah, blah. But I think Peraza's the one whose playing time will suffer, and he'll kind of just fill in that role of playing anywhere. And Scooter gets inserted into second base, and he's out there every day. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, Van Meter. You know, he's a guy that, you know, they're going to. I'm assuming he'll be gone before then. I guess, but who's he going for? Another pitcher. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, yeah, he's probably on that uh, on that up and down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. one, it's one of those guys. I've, I'm like you. I've always assumed it was going to be going to be Farmer, but things yep. uh, things changed a little in my thinking with uh, when they got rid of uh, Matt Kemp. And yeah, so, I honestly uh, forgot that Van Meter was back up. Yeah, uh, but either way, it's one of those guys. Probably now. How does how do things play out? I think what we're going to see, and I hate this, uh, and I, I don't know that it's necessarily the wrong thing. I, I wouldn't do it, but I think Jose Peraza's playing time just uh, craters. Yep. I mean, I think he gets Kyle Farmer's spot. Well, and I, I think I think it hurts Dietrich's playing time. Ooh, Another, they're both they're both left-handed yeah. hitters, so he's not going to play second base. Yeah, and, and he's not going to play left field because he and Winker are both left-handed hitters. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how what you're going to do there because basically they're the same player. Yep. So I would, one five, one twenty nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Scooter and and Dieter are the same players, right? Right. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. But again, these are good problems to have when you got really good guys on your bench. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Okay, so let me uh, move on to the next viewer mail question by viewer Bill Lack. Who's that guy? I don't know, but he asks. I had, to, I had to throw something in there that wasn't a baseball question. I like it. I'm glad you did that because it gives me an opportunity to say, hey, listen, these don't have to be Reds questions. Ask anything. I don't care. We'll talk about whatever. Um, greatest rock and roll song. About the Big Bang finale, you know. What's that? I didn't, I didn't catch that. So we can talk about the Big Bang finale if you want to. Well, no, we can't because I've never watched a single minute of that show. Um, <sighs> greatest rock and roll song of all time. Well, first of all, I would note this is not actually a question. Yeah, I didn't put a question mark on it. Greatest rock and roll song of all time. I, I imagine you already have some thoughts about that. I, I, But I don't have a single answer. I don't know if there is a single answer. I, I, I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are before I pontificate on mine. Okay. Uh, let me say, it uh, looks like a couple of people have responded at Patreon in there. Uh, I saw there. one, yeah. Joseph Prince uh, says Telegraph Road by Dire Straits. 
Logan Hunley, our new guy, who we just thanked, says Scenes from an Italian Restaurant by Billy Joel. Joel. Yeah. That's not, that's not a rock and roll song. Yeah, I think that probably comes down to what do you consider rock and roll. That's a great yeah. song, though. That's a fantastic song. It is a song. great song. Um, depends on One how you classify Billy Joel. Yeah, how do you classify Joel, I guess. But to me, okay, my first thought is um, The Weight by the band. Am I, am I way off on that one? There is no wrong answer. Uh, but then I thought, you know what I really truly think is the greatest rock and roll song of all time? What's that? The Weight is probably my favorite. Although, I've, it's again, I don't know if I can narrow it down to favorite, but I think it's probably Johnny B. Good. Chuck Berry. That's the quintessential rock and roll song. Tough to argue with Chuck. It's tough to argue with anything of Chuck Berry. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think just to me, that is the sort of quintessential that is rock and roll to me. Um, now, what do you think? You got to give me at least some. My, I keep coming back to three. And, and I, when somebody asks me this question, I usually say Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. Right. Which I think is just a phenomenal song and it's got everything in it. Agree. Agree. The other one I the other one I say a lot is Hotel California, but that is more maybe for the album than the the just the song, because if I, you know if I was going to be on a desert island and I had one album to listen to forever, it would probably be Hotel California. Please tell me you're just I mean you're like you're not being serious, right? Oh yes, I'm absolutely being serious. Oh my gosh, the Eagles! I think that's a fun, I think that's one of the best albums ever made. Okay, the Eagles are the worst band in history. Man, you are. See, there you are wrong again. <laughs> they are garbage. Oh, my goodness. All right, who, what else you got? You got one more? The other one is Elizabeth Reed from the Allman Brothers. Uh, I, I can't say I know that one. Not a big Allman Brothers guy. Um, so, I'm going to go listen. Oh, no, I've listened to some of their stuff, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm have to look at that one. I'll have to listen to that when we get off here. So, hmm, interesting. Uh, uh, let's go back here a minute. Tell me a band you like. Tell me a couple bands you like. You're saying the Eagles are garbage, and they've sold more records and they've won more awards and everything than, than almost any band around. So, to... yeah, have they sold more? Have they sold more albums than Britney Spears? Probably. <laughs> it's probably close. <laughs> that's not a. That's not a. Uh, uh, you know, that's not based on quality. How many? They've won Emmys. They've. I mean, what 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 benchmark do you want to use? <laughs> well, uh, not Emmys, Grammys, perhaps. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's a uh, benchmark either. I don't know. Uh, the the greatest rock and roll band of all time is the White Stripes. Is there anybody anybody's ever heard of? <laughs> the White Stripes. That is. Too- never heard, I'm not going to say I've never heard of them, but I couldn't tell you one song, not one. Well, they're not classic uh, '70s uh, rock like you uh, in your uh, wheelhouse. The best rock song of all time to each person is based on whatever they was uh, the best song when they were in high school or, or college or, you know, early twenties, something. Um, to me, it's the white stripes I think are the most interesting. I think they're the best rock and roll band of all time. Wow. Jack white. I've heard that name. Jack white and Meg white. Oh my goodness. The best. So, um, I'm not going to tell you which band I've seen more than any other band. Because you, you, everybody just wants to mock me about that, so I'm not going to say. Are you a fish guy? I am a fish guy. That's not my. Uh, that's not who I've seen more than anybody. But I, I like, saw fish at uh, Madison Square Garden a couple years ago. It was amazing. Actually, I mean, if you were talking about who I've seen the most, I've probably seen Jimmy Buffett more than I've seen anybody. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're but right. I, would, I, would, I would never claim that to be a, right. you know, great music, right? You know, the stuff he did in the, before 1980 was lyrically some pretty good stuff. The band I've seen more than any other, and feel free to go ahead and mock me if you want on uh, on Twitter or whatever, at Dotson C, uh, the Dave Matthews Band. Now, I'm not claiming they're the best band of all time. but You know, and I, and I know a lot of people that really like them, and a few times I've listened to them, I, I, I don't care for them. That's fine. And, uh, and it, it's you know, different strokes for different folks, you know. They were a uh, they were a local band in Charlottesville when I was a student at uh, the university there, and so uh, I don't know, just got a, a simp- uh, place in my heart for them. Let's move on. Clayton Duncan has a question at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. If the Reds are in contention at the trade deadline, what moves should they make? Did you see a Mo Eggers piece this week? I didn't. Yeah, I saw it, but I didn't get a chance to read it. Um, I know he it was. It, didn't he say they should be sellers? He said essentially they should be sellers. Um, I, I, I would argue that if they if, if they but before that point they need to decide who they would like to keep. And if and, and you know we're talking about the guys that can walk, Iglesias, Puig, and if they can't lock them down before then, I would trade them. Uh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have a problem trading any of those guys. Just, you know. I, I don't trade any of our young guys. No, but any of those guys that are, you don't know if they're going to be back next year. Puig, right. I, mean, I think Puig is going, going to test the uh, test the waters. And so, uh, the free agent waters. So, you, you got to take, do you, or can you get something for him, number one? And if, uh, if you can, do you take a chance on maybe not bringing him back? Maybe not being able to bring him back. So, um, if you if you were the Reds and you and I don't know whether they want to keep Puig or not, I have no no clue. But if you if you if you did decide you wanted to bring him back, wouldn't you be making him an offer right now when you got him at low ebb? Yeah, but I still don't see him. I don't know. I just, I don't see him signing a contract with the Reds before exploring free agency. I just don't. And and, and then they're not going to meet. Uh, what what somebody's going to offer him? Probably not. Maybe I don't know, but it could be the Reds that offer that. There's no reason they can't. Andrew Scott Wills asks, "What's the price you predict when the penny pinching Reds pony up and put Puig on the prolonged payroll?" What's the? I think, pr- we, just, I think we just covered that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, but I love the alliteration uh, Andrew Scott Wills gives us there. What's the price you predict when the penny-pinching Reds pony up and put Puig on the prolonged payroll? I predict pain. That's a little Rocky reference for you there, Bill. There you go. Um, I, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know he, what he's going to cost. He's enjoying his time. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to get either. And I think it depends on whether his uh, OPS is 50 plus is 59 at the time. Yeah, yeah. I'd be trying to sign him. Hey, we'll give you some money now. How about four or five years here? Um, he's got to believe he's going to, he's going to improve upon those numbers and uh, have more value later. So I don't know. Michael Petrie asks, this will end up like the question about the baseball equivalent of, uh, 1000 duck sized horses or one horse sized duck question. And I don't even know if there's a good way to measure this, but it seems like the Reds bullpen for all its success seems to be prone to wildly different results. For example, five to six games of unhittable relief followed by one game where they give up seven runs. If that's correct, is it better to have a bullpen that fairly regularly gives up one run in three innings or a bullpen that gives up zero runs for five games but six runs in the sixth game? 
Same total runs given up every week. Uh, okay, so what's better? I don't know. First of all, I think what you were seeing is what every team sees. We notice it because it's the Reds. Um, relievers give up runs sometimes, and sometimes they do give up a lot of runs. This bullpen does not give up a lot of runs very often. But I think I'll take a bullpen that gives up zero runs for five games and six runs in the sixth game each week. Yeah, I agree with you. It only costs you one game, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you especially give, especially as many one run games as this team seems to play. Yeah, that one run every day that the bullpen's given up is uh, could could be could be uh, difficult to to manage against. So yeah, that I think that's where I would go. Good question, Michael. Uh, yep. Rich Rich Thompson asks, from what you're seeing now, do you think the Reds can reach 500? By the All-Star break, I'm still optimistic. And he has another question, but let's go with that one first. From what you're seeing, do you think the Reds can reach? I think absolutely. I mean, this team is, is 500. You're telling me they can't go, you know, um, win like eight out of nine? I, I, I expect this team to have a couple of runs where they win 10 out of 15. And I, I expect them to have a, a couple of runs like that for the end of the season. Uh, yeah. Without- Without a sustained losing streak, I just don't see this team losing a whole bunch of games in a row. I, and, and maybe I'm, you know, got rose-colored glasses on or something, or I'm trying to make my prediction before the season come true. I don't know. But I, I, I said it. I've said it on Twitter. I've said it on on Red Lake Nation. I've said it everywhere. This team is going to go on a run. And with the pitching being as good as it is, it's hard to see them going on another eight-game losing streak. Although we've already seen one of those, so it, it could happen. We've already seen one this year. But um, yeah, I just, uh, you know. I think they're going to be kind of what they are most of the season, which is win a few, lose a few, you know, because they're a roughly 500 team. But I, I don't think there's any way. I, I guarantee. I'm, I'm going to guarantee it now. They're going to have at least one stretch of winning 8 out of 10. And if they do that right now, they're three games over 500. They may be still in the last place, but I don't care at this at that point. So they don't get to, They don't get to pick their division. Exactly. And it's the best division in baseball right now. Rich also asks for a little, now for a little movie fun. And this is the most uh, sort of obs- rich. I love you, buddy. Uh, this is kind of <laughs> I like talking movies, but th- this is an obscure question. I recently read that Ridley Scott is possibly possibly being tapped to remake the Battle of Britain, which I'm super excited to see uh, from a big fan of his movies. If you're a fan of Ridley Scott's movies, what are some of yours? My top five are Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven, and A Good Year. Now, Ridley Scott's not my favorite director. Uh, my three favorite directors are Wes Anderson. Um, Damien Chazelle, and I guess probably Scorsese, although I like Paul Thomas Anderson as well. So, but now, Ridley Scott's had some good movies, um, but it's been a while. Well, I liked The Martian. Let's just run through the ones I liked. The Martian, 2015, uh, Matt Damon, good movie. Uh, before that, I don't, I liked, back in 2007, American Gangster, I liked that one. Before that, probably not uh, since Gladiator, I liked that one in uh, 2000. And before that, mm, I mean, Alien was good. I only saw it last year for the first time. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was sort of one of my blind spots, and I had to go back and see that. And it was good. It was really good. I, saw, I, I was in the Navy when I saw that. Really? Yeah. Do, do you sing that song sometimes when you're just on the village What's people? It? No. You know what I'm saying? Never. In the no. Navy. No, really? No. <laughs> uh, you got any Ridley Scott uh Anecdotes. I, I thought Alien was outstanding. I mean, and it was it was groundbreaking at the time. I mean, I, I, I'm like you though. I really I really enjoyed The Martian. I, I really liked that movie. It was surprisingly good. It really was. Um, and I'm and I'm paging through these movies now while we're talking so that I'm 
Alien, uh, you know, Blade Runner, Gladiator. Those are probably the three best. I, I was never a Blade. I, I don't. I watched Blade Runner and didn't. I don't. I think I missed something because I don't get it. <laughs> Boy, we could uh, we could put the things that you don't get. We could pile those up in the Grand Canyon. That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Hooper Powell. Hooper Powell, ironically, given what we our discussion earlier, uh, another uh, non base well, sort of baseball-related question. Hooper asks, what D- DMB song, that's Dave Matthews' band, what DMB song would you choose to uh, come to the plate to? He says, personally, I would choose Gravedigger, which is a uh, not a Dave Matthews' band song. It's one of Dave Matthews' solo songs, but a uh, fine, fine song. Um, and, he, and he says, also, would uh, Mr. Lack choose to his walk-up music to be I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred? Is that, no. you, is that what you'd walk to the plate to? I, I, I want to go back to the last question because I, oh. I, I would. I really liked uh, American Gangster also and Black Hawk Down. Um, yeah, good movies, good movies. All right, you, you got to say what you wanted to say about Ridley Scott. I can never stop you talking about. We start talking about Ridley Scott, and that's all you want to talk about. That's yeah. That's why I had to look at the list. <laughs> so, what song would you walk to the plate to? Oh man, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know why it just came to my head. Bang the drum. What about Hotel California? That's not a, that's not a walk up to the plate Ugh. type of. Gross! It's disgusting. What Dave, Dave Matthews Band song would I choose to come to the plate to? I would probably choose "Lie in Our Graves" by the Dave Matthews Band. I would I would have to have Chad pick my song because I don't know one song by Dave Matthews Band. I would give you um, "Louisiana Bayou." That's the song you would come Sounds kind of Southern rockish. That works for me. Yeah. Being a Southern rock guy. That's what we'd go with. All right. So good question, uh, Hooper Powell. And some really uh, unique questions this week. Good job, guys. Um, a few more quickly from uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash redlegradio, at redlegradio on Twitter. Just quickly. Um, from Kyle Kapler, Rizel Igle- is Rizel Iglesias a July trade candidate? Yes or no and why? My answer is yes, because everybody should be. Uh, him specifically because closers are, you know, overvalued. Well, relievers are getting more accurately valued these days. Um, but I don't think I'm necessarily seeking to move him because I still think he's got real value and he's under team control for a couple more years after this one. What do you think? I, I agree with everything you just said. Where do you see? How's, how's that for quick? That's pretty quick. Scott Pyatt <laughs> asks, where, this is at Pyatt underscore Scott, where do you see the Reds one year from today? Who are the everyday eight, the number three and four starters? Um, I think Castillo, Gray, Molly are one, two, three, unless they acquire somebody else. I'm going to say Di Scalfani four. That's your top four starters. Um, yep. Although I'm hoping they go out and get, you know, I don't know, somebody really good to put in there. The Everyday Eight this time next year, uh, you know, it depends on where, uh, where Sinzel is. If yeah, he's, he's the key to how the, the rest of the the yeah. the defense falls. Do you like Sinzel in the leadoff spot? Oh, I love him there. Do you? Love him there. Do you think that's where he is long term? Um, I think he's got a chance to be a middle of the order hitter at some point, but right now I love him there. He never seems to have a bad at bat to me. You know, from when I, you know, when I've been watching, he he always seems to to take a, you know get a look at the pitches and work the pitcher a little bit. I've been very very impressed. Yeah, he's got a clue at the plate. So I think that it depends on what they're going to do with uh, with him at. Uh, in center field or second base, depending on what they decide, the Reds are probably going to have to go outside. 
the organization to get someone. So I think it's tough to say who the top, who the everyday eight are, because I think that someone in the everyday eight is someone that is not a red currently. Um, and, and who knows where they'll be at shortstop and, and whether they think uh, Trammell is, uh, is, is ready next year and, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it's someone that's not currently on the roster, at least one. Uh, Petro's Wheels, at Petro's Wheels, asks, will there ever be some Red Leg Nation Radio merchandise? I think that a Jason Hates Scooter t-shirt would be a bestseller. <laughs> I have looked into some merch, uh, you know. We'll with, get... a picture, with a picture of Scooter with tears running down his face. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think we need a Jason Hates Scooter. I think we need, uh, there's a number of little things we need to get on the uh, on t-shirts. So I have looked into that and I think at some point, hopefully that will be the case. I just haven't found the right, uh, the right, uh, company. I think a, uh, one that just says hashtag viewer mail would be good. Um, with Chad sitting there with no pants on. And <laughs> dude, I'll send you a picture of that. If anybody of our subscribers wants a picture of that. Uh, oh, no. oh no, 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 I won't. I will not. <laughs> Uh, WVU and Reds, uh, listen, man, I'll come to your house and sign a book in your kitchen. Don't ask that question again. <laughs> uh, Adam Foskey, um, at AR Foskey asks, at what point will everyone stop saying, but run differential and a string of bad luck when referring to the Reds record? At some point you are what your record says you are, no matter the circumstances. What do you think? Um, I think we're... I think there'll never be a point when, when somebody doesn't say that, but I do agree with him. At some point you are what your record says you are. I, I, I'm not sure 30, 30% of the sea into the season is, is when that point is though. Yeah. I think the reason to say that is, uh, you know, sample size, sample size. There are reasons why the record may not reflect exactly who the reds are when the reds were one and eight. Is that who they, is that who they were? I mean, no, right. You know, they're not a, that says they're the worst team in baseball. And this is not the worst team in baseball. And it took a, it's taken a few more games to show they're not the worst team in baseball. Same with, you know, the run differential. I think as you get more games, you start to see at the end of 162 games, I think you are what your record says you are. Uh, but not after, you know, 30 games. And, you know, not even after 50 games. Once we start getting uh, further into the season, you can say that. I think at some point. I think once you get past the halfway point, it's hard to argue that you're not what you're, what you're you know, unless you've been, decimated by injuries or something like that. It's it's hard to say you're not what you've played for half the season. I think you're at least somewhere in the neighborhood of where you're going to finish up at that point. Yep. You know, how many teams go on a huge run? Not very many uh, after that point. So um, I, I think it's too early to say that now. But I think the reason you say those things is because it's a real thing. Those are That's evidence that this team is better than what their record says they are right now. Uh, at Tay Dunnett, I'll answer your question this week, uh, at Tay Dunnett, um, since we didn't get you last week. With uh, with Van Meter quickly looking the part at the plate, how does this further complicate things for Scotty Shebs? That's that's Scott Shebler, Bill. Thank you. Uh, I don't know that it does. I, I don't think that they're comparable. I think uh, Shebler is a fourth outfielder who is going to be back here soon, um, in my opinion. And I think Van Meter is, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think they fill the same role. Although I've been pleased with Van Meter, what we've seen so far. What do you think? I, I agree with you. They're, they're not the same. They're not interchangeable parts. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the team views Shebler as more of a, a piece of the organization than it does Van Meter. Um, I am a little surprised at the lack of power that Shebler's showing so far in the minors. And, and maybe that's what they're waiting on. 
you know, before they bring him back and they want to see him hit the ball. I mean, you know, he's, he's been at it for 15 games. He's got almost 60 plate appearances. He's only got two doubles. Um, but I agree with you. He'll be back up here. I, I think he'll be back up here in, in Van Meter or Big Ben Down or Irvin or whoever, depending on how the pieces fit together at that point. Yeah, and, and Van Meter is a sort of kind of a sneaky pick to be the long-term second baseman for the Reds. I mean, he's 24. I need to see way, a lot more from him than what we've seen you know, so far. He, he needs more of a track record. But I think he sort of a, uh, secretly has an outside shot of being the guy that leaves Sinzel in center field and have Van Meter. You're starting. Well, I mean, place. I mean, look at what he's done just 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 this year. He didn't even get, he wasn't even in big league camp. Right. Yeah. So I, mean, I need to see more, but I I think he's kind of a sneaky choice there. So all right, I think we've probably uh, beaten this one to death. Bill Lack. Yes. Do you know where you can go to subscribe to this podcast? I don't need to. I'm on it. Exactly. <laughs> but for the rest of you, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, everywhere you want to uh, get your podcast, we're there. And uh, you can, if you subscribe to us, it's free to subscribe uh, to the podcast. And it gets the podcast automatically delivered to whatever your podcast device is on your phone or wherever every single week. You can find us at redlegnation.com. You can, uh, where we've been talking about the Reds every single day since 2005. You can uh, leave us a rating review if you don't if you don't mind doing that. You can get us uh, hit us up at Twitter at Redleg Radio at Redleg Nation. Um, he's at Bill Redleg N. I'm at Dotson C. And uh, we're talking about the Reds all the time. And as we said, you can also, if you wish, you can support us at Patreon.com/RedlegRadio, uh, where you get some cool, you know, goodies. I guess for for supporting us and uh, also access to our private. Uh, Kind of, kind of like a, what they would call a chat room back in the early days of the uh, of the interwebs. So, uh, Bill, it's always fun talking to you, buddy. Always enjoy it, my friend. Look forward to talking to you again at some point. For Bill Lack and Sydney Elizabeth Price, happy birthday! This is Chad Dotson saying, so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.